Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Paul, what's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Weather's getting a little better here. Snow's melting. Spending more time oh. outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, then, you know, the problem with the snow melt, right? It's a mess. The salt. Do you use salt oh, up there and stuff? Yeah. Salt and sand, it is. It's yeah. a disaster. So you wash your car and then you drive over a puddle as soon as you exit the car wash. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's why I have uh, unlimited car washes. Yeah. It's good to keep the salt off that, that undercarriage. Yeah. For sure. It'll, it'll eat away at it eventually. Yep. A lot of rusted cars up here in the north. Yep. Yep. Anything new in your life? Well, we, I don't know. Oh, we bought that land in Tennessee. Yep. Just waiting to close sometime next month, I guess. And uh, Tammy picked out the uh, the floor plan for the house. So Oh, nice. So we're, we're progressing nicely. So yeah. when does construction start? March of 24. Wow. All right. Yeah, Lined so we'll up with like, a July of 24 retirement. Well, that's when I'll stop working. Uh, Let's be honest, you've already stopped working. No, I'm actually super productive. <laughs> super yep. productive. Um, no, I'll, I'll stop working in my job in July 24, and then um, I'll retire one March 25. Yep. So, okay. There's some leave in there, some skill yeah. bridge, some oh, yeah. other apprenticeship. Things. Yeah. You could, you could definitely use an apprenticeship. I'm going to go to truck driving school. Yeah, get your CDL. <laughs> Got to have a fallback plan, man. That's right. Yeah. Well, nice. Good. Well, hey, today I think uh, we decided we're going to talk about some myths. I'm not sure what to call this. It's either whole life insurance myths, whole life insurance objections, um, ignorant statements made by ignorant people, but we're just going to correct some of this stuff. Like, let's just correct it right now. Um, so that uh, we have somewhere to point people when we get some of these questions in the future, which a lot of it comes from people who maybe haven't, they haven't been educated enough. Um, but it's also fodder for financial entertainers who are trying to steer you away from whole life insurance. They repeat some of the exact same claims we're going to, we're going to discuss today. So, yeah. Yeah, no question. If they're, if they're tied to the traditional financial space, as a CFP or, uh, well, not really a CFP. My CFP sold me whole life insurance back in the day. So it's, but just, you know, if you're a, a Wall Street person and and I follow some people on, on Instagram that, you know, I thought had something half decent to say, but when it comes to whole life insurance, they're like, nope. Really? And yeah. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's the same old, it's the same old stuff, which it's annoying, but it's out there and it's plentiful. So. Well, hey, I guess not everybody likes guarantees. So. To each his right. own. Yeah. yeah, to each his own. All right. Well, let's start with the first one. So this is probably one of the most common one and the most common ones promoted by financial entertainers is, hey, once once I retire, I'm not going to need life insurance. As if your, your need for permanent life insurance expires the day you retire. 
I'm, I can't even logically draw the connection there, but I guess the, the, the assumption is that you've built up enough wealth, right? During your working years that even if you graduated the day after you retired, let's say you did this, your wife would be fine because you've built up enough wealth that will pass on to her that she can live out the rest of her days just fine. I think that's the assumption, right? Sure. Yeah, okay. it is. Yeah. Well, we dug up some stats. Why don't you read some of these stats to us um, to maybe um, combat the assumption? And and we don't deal in assumptions in this business. We deal in facts and reality. So here's what we found. Yeah. And this is fairly alarming. And once we tie it all together after I am two here, um, but the, yeah, so Dave pulled some some numbers of the average uh, retirement savings amount. And our assumption is that we're talking about what's in IRAs and 401ks, because that's where most Americans nowadays are are putting their money for, quote, retirement, right? Right. Um, so the average for a 65 to 74-year-old was 426000 which on the surface, right, seems like, hey, that's a lot of money. The median, though, right? It's funny. Anthony's learning this in math right now. Is 134k. Yeah, so that's the person that's right smack dab in the middle. So half that's the people right. are below that. Half the people are above that. So when we talk about rates of return in, in past episodes, Dave, we say that really the average rate of return doesn't matter. The actual, and it's the same thing for this. I think the median is more of a a better snapshot because the the average number is really there's some wealthy people out there sure. or people that are just pinched pennies or whatever and they're kind of almost outliers when you compare when you compare the the middle of the road guy which I think is is likely a more accurate snapshot of where people are at. I I'd say so too because that just means that you know 50% of Americans have 134,000 or less in retirement savings at retirement age age 65 to 74. Now, this came from a 2019 survey of consumer finances. That's how, that's where you can find these stats. Uh, I found it on NerdWallet. They quoted that survey as the results to this. Um, but so that would be, and I think that's individual savings. Let me, I don't know that that's household savings. So sure. yeah, for no, well, for all families, you know, it's families. It's not even individual. It's families. Yeah. Well, I would say too, when you look at the the ages in in that year twenty nineteen, and you know, those were largely single family income homes. You know, people True. from our folks generation that were baby boomers. You know, born in the late forties, early fifties, into the early you know, through the fifties to the early sixties. Um, so, in a lot of cases, it was mainly the you know dad if he was around. Um, laboring and, and keeping the family, uh, you know, fed and housed and clothed and whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then maybe, maybe mom went back to work after the kids were, were back in school or out of the house. And that was kind of typical of, of my household. So um, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But um, now here's another stat we pulled up. So you just told the numbers for ages 65 to 74, but what about age 75 and older? The median drops from one hundred thirty-four thousand to eighty-three thousand dollars. So they burn through in ten years. Uh, a sixty-five-year-old who started with one hundred thirty-four thousand burned through one-third of their retirement nest egg in their first ten years. 
and they probably haven't even entered the uh, you know the stage of life where medical expenses are going to be the highest. I would assume. No, no question. In right. fact, I had the long long term care discussion with somebody today. Yeah. For his for his parents who are in their probably their late seventies, and um, right, that's you know it's you know it's it's almost like the future's unknown, right? We have no idea. And it's almost never discussed by these people. What do you do? What do you do for medical expenses? Is that is that factored into your hey, you're gonna average, you know, or twelve percent in your mutual fund over forty years? Does that get factored in when the the ever rising cost of medical care in nursing homes or specialty care or what you know, whatever right. it is, stuff that's just not covered under any Medicare plan. Um like my my grandmother gets these uh, these eye injections for cataracts, I think, or something every month, and they're yeah you know, they're kind of spendy. They're, they're they're not covered by anything, and they're you know over the counter, and uh, they're pricey. Yeah, and and you're not going to get the state to get to supply all of that for you until you're until you've spent down all your your assets to begin with. Yeah, we have that discussion too. They're going to burn through everything first, aren't they? Yeah, and then the state will start covering your bills but right you basically have to be i don't know, close to poverty level you have to be de yeah destitute pretty much yeah destitute yeah. before they that kicks in so right. in either case that's a it's kind of a scary statistic man. just seeing that i mean so many people plan you know like um earl nightingale's uh the strangest secret he starts out saying you know uh, out of 100 men or 100 people every one of them intends to do well but you know, by the time they're 65, only 5% of them are financially free. And, you know, the rest of them are essentially broke. And yeah. to me, $134,000 in retirement at age 65 is you're broke. Yep. You really are. No, no two ways around it. Yep. Unless you're one of those lucky people that has some sort of government pension, not social security. I mean, something else like military pension or. Right. Maybe you have sure. one of those old corporate pensions or something that still exists, maybe, but yeah, that helps. And some of those baby boomers absolutely do. They do. Um, you know, but that's that's certainly gone by the wayside for most people. So yeah. So the whole uh myth or objection that I won't need life insurance once I retire, I I hope, you know, I, I hope you do better than the average person. I hope you do better than the median. But even if you do average, you know, you're still looking at just four hundred and twenty six thousand. Yep. You know, and Dave, let's, I want to wrap this up for, for some people. Cause they're like, all right, what, maybe what's the connection? Well, the connection is, you know, you know, Dave and I, by the time we're the ages that we've kind of listed here, 65 to 74, having, we'll been paying premium for 30, 40, 50 years of our life. And what a lot of people don't realize is that we'll be able to take passive income off of our policy. And we've, we've touched upon this upon in, in other episodes, but you'll be able to take passive income to supplement whatever else you have going on. Maybe maybe some of that supplemental income off a of policy can pay for some of this care that you might need. Um, and maybe it's not going to count against you. Absolutely. It, it'll be an income producing asset because by that time, you had the policy for 30 or 40 years, every dollar I pay in premium is going to create potentially three, four, five dollars sure. in cash value that I have access to tax-free during retirement. Yep. Yep. That's right. And, you know, these policies that we, that we have, um, they have some things, they're not long-term care writers necessarily. Some, some companies do have those things. 
Um, but they have other types of riders where you can access a portion of the death benefit to to pay for either terminal illness or or even an, you know a care um, an injury that you might have had that prevents you from laboring or whatever. So yeah. um, those things exist as well, and I guess those shouldn't be ignored either. Those are those are very helpful. Yeah. So yeah, and not for nothing that uh, it's a way to turn one dollar when. It, if you can receive a dollar tax free in retire in retirement, that's essentially like getting a dollar forty. Yeah, so, yeah I no mean, doubt. you can either have seventy cents. You you put one dollar in, you can have seventy cents back, or you can have a dollar forty back. That's that's a hundred percent gain. It's quite it's quite a bit. It's quite different, isn't it? Yeah, quite a bit different when you when you factor in the taxes. So, yep, tax free income in retirement as well. <clears throat> Amazing, yeah. very. So, all right, we spent a lot of time on that first one, so we got a. Uh, we got six more we want to get through. So the next one, whole life is too expensive. I'm going to buy term and invest the difference. So the, the, the first thing I would ask is, are you? Are you investing yeah. the difference? Yeah, you're probably going to spend it. Maybe. Yeah. Some people are going to. Maybe, but the fact they probably don't know what the difference is because they've never actually worked with somebody to run a whole life scenario to begin with. So right. how do you know what the difference is? Anyway. Kind of a, one of the dumbest phrases I've ever heard because people don't actually investigate it and think about what what it's actually saying. Yeah, that was a clever slogan though that was developed by it wasn't E.F. Hutton or or other. It was someone like that though back in back whenever. Very um, clever, yep. very clever, and made that dude a lot of money and continues to make people a lot of money peddling term products and makes life insurance and, companies a lot of money. It does, you know. Actuarially, it's probably their favorite product, isn't it? Maybe, yeah. well, maybe Universal Life is. I, I don't know, um, but it's definitely those two products, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So this kind of goes hand in hand with like, oh, it's too expensive. It's only for rich people. So sometimes we get that, you know, people are like, sure. oh, this, or you read um, really in depth articles about infinite banking or cash value dividend paying whole life insurance, and the conclusion of the author, who's an expert, you know, they don't have a policy. They didn't talk to anybody in the article who actually. Uh, knows how to design these policies. They've only talked to financial planners. Um, their conclusion is that, yeah, this is something that could work, but only if you're really rich. And that that that's nothing could be farther from the truth, right? How many yeah. of our clients, what what percentage of your clients are really rich? Um, I, I really don't think any of them are. Yeah, I don't. At this point, I don't think any of mine are are real. What I would consider I really rich. It I think it depends on how you define really rich. You know, sure. I think Bill Gates is really rich. Um, I think if you can live without working, you're really rich. Um, and I don't think any of anyone that I know is in that category yet. But they're I mean, on their way. If, if it's like Joe Biden's definition, I think if you have make two hundred two hundred thousand a year, you're really rich, right? Then a yeah. lot of my clients are really rich. Then sure, um, right? But that's not yeah, rich. I, Depends where you live too. Yeah, true. Yeah, around here that's that's nothing. Yeah. So what I, what I like to do in this situation is really the I can show people how over the, their life, if they live to be eighty five years old and and you're you know middle age, you're somewhere 30, 40 years old when you get this policy, it's going to average out, and you'll die with millions of dollars worth of death benefit when you average the cost, the expense. Um, that you paid up front, you know, in the first few years before you start, every dollar creates more than a dollar in cash value every single year. That expense, um, that loss of liquidity that you had to sacrifice for the first three, four years, maybe equals about $15 a month over the course of your lifetime. 
fifteen dollars yeah, a month to retire with to die graduate with millions of life insurance at the age of eighty five. Yeah. Do you do you and do you show people that very often? I've no, done it. I, I remember you showed it to me, you know, several years ago. Once we once you learned it, and I was like, yeah. oh yeah, that makes perfect sense, and it's it's interesting. But I haven't found myself having to show people that uh, because I think we get better we get better educated people as far as IBC. They're coming they're coming to us for IBC, but it's a valid point and yeah. it's true. So what what Dave is is saying folks is that you know you might have heard some people say well term insurance is actually more expensive than whole life. Oh, uh, yeah, as far and, as what you get back. Right. Yeah. You know, we talked about term insurance pays out, you know, somewhere around 1%, 2% of the time maybe, meaning you have to die young or die during that term. Meaning 1% to 2% of the time, term insurance is less expensive than whole life. Correct. Yep. But the the obviously the, the 98% or better, uh, it, it's not because it's, it ends up being just a sunk cost. Um, maybe your investments did well enough that you can live off them. Well, I'd rather have the guarantee that I know what I'm going to have exactly at what age I'm going to have it yep. rather than rely on that. So anyway, the whole the whole point is, is that it's, it's not like they say, yeah, because they don't know what they're talking about. Or right. worse, they know what they're talking about and they're lying. Yeah, that is, yeah. But it's one in, of those two scenarios. And in either case, it's not somebody I would want to put any faith or confidence in. No, and I'm sure all these people have angelic intentions, but to to say that this you know, the average individual is buy, trim, and invest in the difference and they don't need whole life insurance. That's a very silly thing to say to me. How can that be the right thing for every person on earth? Right. One size fits all. Yeah. It can't be. So, Except the rich. I forgot <clears throat> about the rich. Yeah, it's not for yeah. them. They'll buy whole life, right? Yeah. So what it, what you're saying, some, everybody's um, misunderstanding of life and whole life insurance. Is based, yeah, every, everyone's understanding of whole life insurance is based on somebody else's misunderstanding. Right. For the for the person who hasn't done the, the education themselves to get educated on infinite banking and whole life insurance, you're right. Yep. Yeah. Their and understanding. I would, yep. I would I would I would plug Ryan's um seven part series, Ryan Griggs' seven part series on the mechanics of whole life insurance, uh, which is very helpful if you want to kind of really get into the weeds for seven or eight hours on the mechanics of whole life insurance. And you'll know um, more than ninety percent of life insurance agents out there. Yep. And we've you, plugged that one before, that. but it's a, I've watched it. It's a good one. Yeah. And you, you will come out. Yeah. You'll come out knowing more about whole life insurance than probably your financial advisor. Yep. No, hands down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So next one, Paul, how, how would you answer, respond to this one? Dividends are just, the IRS says dividends are just a return of premium that I overpaid. It's a return yeah. of premium. That's it. Yeah. That's exactly how they characterize it. Next question. No. Yeah. Which is great. Right. It's great. Right. And that's, it's actually cast as like, as a bad characteristic of whole life insurance by certain financial entertainers on, on, on television that, oh, they're just, they over, they overcharged you for your life insurance. And now they're just giving you back what they overcharged you. Well, if that were true, the policy would never get, other than the guaranteed growth, it would never get bigger. It would never eventually exponentially grow at a rapid rate you know, as the years tick by and the policy gets really efficient, that would never occur. Right. Right. It would never occur. So that, yeah, that dividend would never outpace the premium I pay every year, that's, which it will. Oh, by, yeah, by far. 
Yeah. I mean, it'll be many times what the, it could be five, six, seven times, depending on when you start the policy. Some of these juvenile clients that I have, and I think I have over 20 now, their policy dividends later in life will, will be 10 times oh, more man. Yeah. than their, than their premium. I mean, yep. it's, it's incredible. So imagine, I just think back, wish, I wish I had one of these when I was, when I was born, but um, so yeah, that statement, folks, is just not true. It's a misrepresentation or it's a misunderstanding. It's one of those two. Well, um, on its face, it is true. The IRS it is classifies true by it definition, as a yes. return of premium, but that right. is not the full story. That's not the full truth. That's not the, I guess, what? the the mathematics that's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. So I guess my question would be like, well, then how could the dividends ever outpace my premium? That's right. And see him try see him try to answer that that question. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They yeah. They don't know what they don't know. And they don't want to know because they're selling something else. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Number four, I have enough assets that I can self-insure. Mm. So, okay. Um, that on its face, it, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. You have enough assets that if you die then your spouse, your kids are going to be taken care of because say you borrow, you have multiple apartment buildings, you have a giant real estate portfolio that's paying that income, you know, every, every month, every year, that's going to take care of your family. Okay. Granted. So now you're, you're saying your family actually wants to actively take over all of those assets and manage them themselves. Um, yeah, they're not, they're not liquid, are they? They're not liquid. You can't spend equity unless you can access it. And they can't probably access that now that you're gone uh, unless they sell them. And they're probably the result of like many, many, many 1031 exchanges over the last 40 years. Yeah, probably. So there's going to be a massive tax bill. I don't know who pays that, but the person at the end, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The the last one holding the, (laughs) yeah, like musical chairs. The great grandson's like, what? You're holding the bag, kid. I'm inheriting all of this. Uh, and then taxes are you know, jacked up oh, to the sky goodness. by then. It, so anyway, what we, what we uh, support is the idea that you should really have enough permanent life insurance equal to your assets so that you can spend your retirement years, your passive income years, as Nelson says, you, um, you know, paying or living off of those assets. Go ahead, grab yes. the equity in those assets. You worked your butt off all those years accumulating them, and now you're just going to do nothing with it? Would you? What did you go build that for? Like, enjoy life. Take that money knowing that when you graduate from this earth, 100% of everything you've taken out is going to be replaced. Yep. You know, and we know some folks that have, you know, fairly substantial real estate holdings. They're real estate professionals. They do certain things with real estate for a living um that have that have whole life insurance they probably need more but they do have dividend paying whole life and they have you know they pay adequate premium and um you know i i like the idea of having this insurance in place Dave, because like you said it it allows me to spend down or enjoy those other assets yeah and i'm not worried about and i'm going to leave a a tax income tax-free legacy and people say well there's estate taxes at the federal level or a certain threshold and the state level depending on the state tennessee no inheritance tax <clears throat> nice you should move there uh one day soon yep anyway so but there's things you could do with trust and other other things to to kind of protect yourself in that right. in that sense but um the other yes anyway i i completed my thought good yeah no that's good so 
Um, okay. How about the next one? Hey, Paul, I don't have any kids, so I don't need life insurance, man. Then why are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, I would say from the conventional point of view, this is what you can find all over the internet. If you, you know, you know you're searching for, do I need life insurance or whatever? Well, you'd only need it if you have kids or whatever. My dad said this to me not a few months ago. Yeah. Um, and that's how, that's what they were. That's how they thought of it. They ignore, and we can thank Nelson for helping us not ignore this fact. They ignore the banking qualities of whole life insurance. Exactly. It has more in common with banking than it does insurance, even though there is a death benefit, no, no question, but the cash value and the death benefit, one is the function of the other, of course. Um, but the banking quality of this product is something, and he says in this in the book, right? It should have been taught. Yeah. Over the last 200 years, it should have been taught by the life insurance companies. But as we know, there's people that there's home office people that probably don't own home life insurance, even though they might work for one of the most successful mutual life insurance companies in the country. For sure. And it's just, it boggles the mind. And read that book. Yeah. Like you said, it, it gets back to the banking function. Yeah. Okay. You don't have any dependents. Guess what? You can leave that death benefit to whomever or whatever you want. Pick a charity. Like certainly there's something that you have a passion for, some cause that you would like to support. Leave it to that cause. Who cares? This yes. is about the banking function and controlling the banking function in your life. I've got multiple young, single guys who do infinite banking as clients, like multiple clients. Yep. And they, they're not married. Maybe they intend to be married at some point and have kids. Um, but for some of them, I mean, I think most of them are probably like, yeah, probably one day I'll have a family. But do, like, they're not waiting until they have a family to do this because they see the banking function. They see the, you know, the important side of controlling your own capital. That's right. You finance everything you buy, right? Yep. You're either paying interest or giving up interest you could have earned. So again go back it goes back to goes back to nelson goes back to the book um it's something that you and i had to discover someone had to lead us to it you know you yep. had boyd and sheila and and i had you and but you have to you have to see it you have to be able to see it you have to be able to comprehend what nelson is telling you yeah. in that 92 page simply written book yeah and you need to know what the problem is he'll help you find the problem but we're we're kind of exposing it all of these questions are part of the problem. The problem is the problem. The problem is not understanding the problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next one. Hey, my, um, since we're dudes, I'll say wife, you know, if, if you're a woman, you can say husband, uh, my wife will be fine. She makes plenty of money. So good for oh, you. Yeah. Good for you, man. You got a sugar mama. You know, Maybe yeah. both. Maybe it's a young, successful couple like th this. This Dinks, lady. huh? Dinks, yeah. Dueling, Dinks, come no kids. Yeah, that's like this lady I talked to a couple of weeks ago. Her and her husband just graduated college, no debt. They worked while they were in college, paid off college as they went, which is brilliant. It's like I asked her how many of your how many of your peers did that, and she was like, I don't know of any. Good for her. I'm like, I'm not surprised. So yeah, congratulations. Outstanding job. Podcast living, listener. Yeah, I think so. And now they're li living at her parents' house and saving that money. Um, but they're looking at this from the banking function. Of course, they want to have kids uh, and that's in the cards, but there's no, there's no reason both of them 
shouldn't have life insurance. Right. The best time to get it is while you're young and throw some strategy in here. Don't forget, it's okay to throw in some term on there. You're likely going to need it because you can't afford to fully insure yourself through whole life. Throw some convertible term insurance on there. And yep. to bridge that gap, we talked about that in a recent episode. And uh, But start your start creating your banking system, branch number one, the founding branch of your banking system. Absolutely. So, I mean, even if you and, you and your spouse both make equal amount of income, don't you think uh, you might want some time to mourn? Or maybe if you didn't have to work that job, you wouldn't. And you could just use that money to to create a, a foundation for your your spouse who just passed. I don't know, whatever you want, but right. wouldn't it still be nice? You know, that's the life insurance aspect. We're completely, I mean, not not to even mention the banking function, right? Right. Yeah. I, I, no one's going to complain like, oh, shucks, you know, grandpa Bill died and left us, left the family $10 million. Like, oh, shucks. And he, he was very specific on who got it. And the life insurance company is going to execute that as per his wishes, right? No one's yeah, going to be yeah. like, oh, darn, I got a million bucks. Like, Yeah. Do you think anybody was like, oh, what an idiot. He paid for whole life insurance. What a moron. And that reminds <laughs> me of what I wanted to say, Dave. I think a lot of people, you know, absent, the, you know, knowing about the banking function, knowing about the problem, they don't realize that Every dollar they've paid in premium will have many, it'll, it's a golden goose, right? It's going to produce so many golden eggs down the road. Sure, takes a few years to get started, but after about year eight, nine, 10, 11, it becomes this juggernaut that's just, you're going to outrun yeah. the next guy doing maybe same income, same life, whatever is your twin brother, but you're going to outrun that twin. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned, you know, Grandpa Bill dying, whatever. Um, wouldn't it be cool if somebody in your family, one of your father, your your mother, your grandparents, great grandparents, had a policy that they left a lot of tax free income to the next generation, and it just begat a a cycle on down the line. Like at at some point, like how much do you care about legacy? You know, okay, you're going to retire. You don't need life insurance anymore. Your wife is going to be fine if you die. Okay, great. But are you leaving any other legacy? Maybe that's not important to some people. To me, it's very important. I want to start that for my family and be that legacy creator. Yeah, a lot of people are worried about leaving a large amount of money. And there's things that you can do sure. to con kind of control it, not from the gray, I don't want to say control from the gray, but there's things that you can do. There's spend thrift provisions and in insurance where right. they don't get the lump sum, they get more like an annuity payout. There's a bunch of different death benefit options, folks. So there's yeah. one. But really what you should be passing on, and this is a complete IBC lens, but it could work, for, it works for anything. In this case, this is an infinite banking podcast, so we're going to talk about IBC, is the knowledge on this is how the fugeres, this is how the Befforts, this is our this is how we do family banking yeah. and the knowledge of what we do, what we don't, and more importantly, what we don't do. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we control the banking function. That's and ultimately that's the most important lesson I think we can pass on. Cause if they control the banking function and they already have that mindset, Dave, they're gonna know what to do. They know what the problem is, they know the solution. They're part, they've been part of the solution now is as children, as young adults, they've been involved in the conversations that, and then when that windfall comes, they know exactly what 
to do. Yep, absolutely. You can't just leave money and no knowledge. No, you, you end up a, like that's well, a recipe for disaster. It, no, no question. You end up like Justin Bieber at nineteen. <laughs> all right, so all right, last one. I only need life insurance on myself, my wife, since she doesn't work, she doesn't need life insurance. She doesn't produce an income. Why would why would she need life insurance? What do you say to that, Paul? Yeah, well, again, from an IBC perspective, that's not the point. Maybe we've maxed you out on your human life value, and now you have additional, but you have a different additional, you know, premium you'd like to pay or or whatever. Um, well, you can you can pay it on her. Now, if you if there's children in the home, I'd say this. You know, what happens to your productivity when your wife or your husband, who's the homemaker, graduates unexpectedly? That is going to throw a complete wrench absent, you know, maybe you have a great family support system. Most people don't. Right. You know, most, our parents are elderly parents, right? They're not going to be around to like care for our children, right? So maybe, maybe we even a, if they could, they don't want to. They don't want to. And They've it's, it's unfair. Before. So, yeah. you know, I, I always tell, you know, I have a lot of clients where the wife's the homemaker or whatever. And, and, um, and we've had this conversation and I say, and should I take the policy on the kids? So it's a little bit more efficient. I was like, well, it won't be more efficient because juvenile policies aren't, but no, no, you're, you, you suffer tremendous loss of your spouse, non-working right. or working, but in this case, non-working spouse, you, it's tremendous loss. Your childcare costs alone are going to skyrocket because guess what? She's no longer there. Yeah. And as someone who pays a, a bundle for child care every month. I can tell you it ain't it ain't cheap. Especially if you want quality care. You know, and your yes. kids are probably gonna need a little extra care if they just lost their mom or their dad. So yep. and you might want to take a lot of time off work. You might want to do some traveling, go visit family with the kids, go on vacation, whatever. Um it just gives you the license and the uh the permission to mourn appropriately and and it doesn't impact at least the financial uh, system of your life, which is let's not you know minimize how important finances are in our life, right? Some people might try to, but you can't get around it. Finances are one of the most important things uh, in your life. I mean, it touches every it touches everything, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, cool. So that was a, that was seven um, either uh, ignorant statements. Uh, myths, objections, whatever you want to call them to whole life insurance. So I hope that helps. Those are, are pretty common ones that we hear. Um, hey, before we depart the fix here, we've got another webinar coming up, uh, our third live webinar in April, April 20th, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. So we will put a link in the show notes once again. So please sign up for that. We'd love to see you guys and, and uh, get some questions and feedback or stories, case studies, whatever. Uh, it's just been kind of a free for all when we, the last two we've done. So we'll just yep. keep them kind of on a open mic night, if you will. Yep. Open mic and yeah. questions ahead of time are, are great. You know, we were able to address uh, a few, um, during that hour. So, you know, it's, it's a good time, good group of people and, uh, we'd love to have you. Yep. Perfect. All right. We'll see you guys there. And until next week, control your capital or somebody else will. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to davidandpaul at theibcguys.com.
and subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.